Scripture reading this morning comes from Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. That's Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. It says, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. That should be obvious. It's not. But it should be really obvious. Are you familiar with the term evangelical Christian? It's not a Bible word, but it is one that gets thrown around quite a bit in modern times. It generally speaking refers to somebody who believes that the Bible is God's word, who believes that human beings are sinful and in need of a savior, so we need to be born again. So broadly speaking, it's a term that would and should apply to us and many people that claim to be Christ followers in our world today. Yet, evangelical Christian has become something of a bad word. Because rather than viewing that as being somebody who believes the Bible, which says that followers of Jesus should be submissive to rulers and authorities and to be obedient, ready for every good work, they associate evangelical Christianity with this. They associate evangelical Christianity with people that storm capital buildings to get their way. They associate evangelical Christianity with people that instead of being gentle to everyone, speaking evil to no one, and showing perfect courtesy to all people, as people that post harsh and demeaning and degrading things on social media or attack people in the comment section. In fact, some people associate good church-going folks as being those that dress up nice and come to church on Sunday morning and then go out to the restaurants and make those servers' lives miserable. Talk to people that have worked in restaurants and they will tell you Sunday afternoons are one of their least favorite times because the church folk coming out to eat are some of the rudest and harshest and most impatient and they also tip the worst. That is the reputation in the larger world. And that's not what it's supposed to be. Read two verses from the letter Paul was inspired to write to Titus as he ministered to a network of house churches in Crete. And it becomes clear that that's not the way it was supposed to be. And as much as the Christians in Crete needed Titus as their evangelist to give them this reminder, we need this reminder too. Because frankly, the deck is pretty stacked against us. Do you know how social media works? Why you see what you see when you log on to Facebook? You see, the whole business model, the way they make their money is to get you on that social media platform as often for as long as possible. Because the more you're on it and the longer you're on it, the more that they can sell to advertisers and the more that they make their money. Well, they've done a lot of research and they've figured out what keeps you on there for a really long time? Whenever you see something you love, you just agree with it. Yeah! Or whenever you see something you hate. Anything that you give that heart and anything you give that angry face, they're plugging it into their computer and they're figuring out what you want to see or what you can't stand to see and they're making sure that's exactly what you see. They're priming the pump to get you all sorts of worked up in a way that's not at all gentle or courteous. And it's not just a social media thing. Traditional media has always worked that way. They know what gets the ratings. They'll put the most 
whacked out people on TV because they know we can't look away. It's like a train wreck. And it's always operated that way. But appreciate that when this is what God's word says, that we should be submissive and obedient, ready for every good work, speaking evil of no one, avoiding quarreling, being gentle, showing perfect courtesy toward all people. That you do not have to be a bank robber or a serial killer to be going against the will of God. You just have to go with the flow. Just act like everybody else. Just post what everybody else posts. Have the same tone. Just look no different from the rest of the world. And you are going directly against who God created you to be. Who God is trying to teach you to be. Because being a Christian, it's not just about going to church. Being a Christian is about living a completely changed life that allows us to experience the life of God. And you know what that looks like? Different. In Titus chapter 3, continuing with verse 3, For we ourselves were once foolish, Disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Whether you were raised in the church or have some truly gnarly skeletons in your closet, we all have this in common. We have all, in some way or another, been foolish. We have all, at times, been disobedient. We've been led astray from what God wants from us. And social media plays a role, and regular TV and movies play a role, your parents may have played a role, the school system may have played a role, the politicians may have played a role, but we've all messed up. Every single one of us has been guilty and not done what God created us to. Every single one of us, in one way or another, have been slaves. We've been slaves to money. Where that's the reason we get up every morning. That's our main motivation. Whatever we do, it's to make more money. And we get upset and we get anxious and we lose sleep because we don't have enough money. Our entire life is founded on money. We've been slaves to sex. We have looked at things on phone screens and TV screens that we have no business looking at other people doing. But we can't look away. We've engaged in relationships that are not what God created us to engage in. And we can't help it because we just want to because it's what makes us feel good. We have been slaves to anger. We have had things that we just don't agree with. That, that just press our buttons a certain way and we just react 
No control over how we feel or what we say. We just explode and make a wreck of everyone around us. We have been slaves to hate. There have been people that we have looked at, and whether it's because of something personally they've done or just because of something about them, who they are, who they vote for, what color skin they're wrapped in. We just don't like them. Those people. That is slavery. And it ruins everything. It ruins your life personally. It wrecks our relationships with, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in the church. It takes things that God meant for us to use for good, even things like money and sex, and it corrupts them, it twists them, and makes them so much less than what God intended for them to be. But God's goodness and loving kindness appeared. And his name is Jesus. He didn't appear because we earned it, because we'd all gotten our acts together, so now he comes as a reward. He didn't even appear because we were asking for it. Because the world was quite literally going to hell and we were fine with it. As long as we were better off than somebody else, we were cool. But God's mercy to us is that he sent Jesus anyway. And Jesus saved us. Jesus saved us from slavery so that we're not just controlled by our worst impulses. Jesus saved us from meaninglessness where we chase and chase and chase and then wonder, what do I have to show for any of this? Jesus saved us from ruin so that our relationships, our homes, don't have to be in shambles. Jesus saves us from death so that the end of our story does not have to be rotting in a grave while everyone forgets we ever existed. And in a way that doesn't make any earthly sense he does that through baptism which when you look at it's kind of like just getting dumped in a pool it's like taking a bath but without any soap but because of faith in the Greek word they are also being able to be rendered as loyalty to Jesus when we get baptized we don't just get wet because it's not about what we do it's about what he does. And Paul described what he does as the washing of regeneration. Because of Jesus, somehow when we submit to God in that way, all of those wrong things that we have done get washed away. That person who we were before, disobedient, led astray, in slavery, dies. And we get a fresh start. But appreciate, part of making the most of a fresh start is that you don't then use it to go make the same mistakes. That's why part of what Jesus also does for us is provide the renewal of the Holy Spirit. God gives us help to make the most of that fresh start. And not just a little help. Scripture says that Jesus pours him out on us richly. Everything that we need for a new life. 
Everything that we need to change how we think and how we speak and how we act and even how we feel, God provides it to us. That is what these nine souls experienced in 2022. That's what even more of us have experienced over the last five years. And in fact, it's exactly what God did for every single one of us sitting here today who has put on Christ in baptism. Even though we have all messed up, this grace of God, this undeserved kindness, goodness that he has shown to us, it allows something else to happen. We become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Eternal life. Do you know what that means? Live forever, right? That's usually how we use it. And that is part of it. But that's only part of it. Because think about it. Living forever, if you were to live forever, but with all of the pains and problems you currently have, that actually doesn't sound very appealing, does it? That would be pretty hard. Or those wonderings that we have sometime late at night where we try to imagine what eternity is going to be like, and if we're really honest, we're like, I might get kind of bored. Eternal life isn't just about the duration, though. See, in his book, New Testament Words, William Barclay explained the Greek word that we translate as eternity this way. He says, lasting forever is not enough. It's the word of deity as opposed to and contrasted with humanity. It's a word which can only really be applied to God. Therefore, eternal life is nothing less than the life of God himself. To be heirs according to the hope of eternal life is not simply living forever someday. It is to live life like God himself. And certainly, God is forever. But that's just one part of God's character. God is also love. God is also holy. God is also good. So we as followers of Jesus have confident expectation. That's what hope is. That because of Jesus we will share in the life of God. We will share in life with God. And appreciate that's not just a later thing. That's something that starts right now. Because as Paul continues in Titus 3 and verse 8, the saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. 
he is self-condemned. If we have been saved by Jesus from this world, if Jesus has washed away our sins, if his spirit has been renewed in us, if we are heirs of the hope of sharing God's life, that is going to have immediate implications. It means as we live life each day, we are careful to devote ourselves to good works. Now that just makes sense. Because if we're sharing in the life of God, and God is good, God is always working for our good, his love and mercies are new every morning, then it should only be natural that we are learning to live that way too. That if God is creative, constantly seeing new possibilities that we're learning that, that if God is helping, especially those that are most helpless, that if God is lovely, loving, especially those who are least lovable, then this is what we should share in. This is our hope to share in that life with him. And that's not just after you drop dead. That starts now. But we need to insist on it. We need to insist on that level of devotion. Because we get distracted. We'll do good if it's easy. If it fits our schedules without needing to make any modifications. If it's convenient. If it's safe. If I can do it without having to give up anything. If I can do it without having to risk anything. Then we'll do good. But that is not devotion to good works. Devotion is more. Devotion is what happened to Prince George last week. When so many people from all walks of life came together to care about those folks. Some of whom were a little uncomfortable because of their condition to try to talk to, but to fearlessly love them anyway. To just come near and show kindness. Devotion to good works is packing this pulpit with food. Labeling it with those Bible verses because that means you had to think about it. You couldn't just walk in here and pull something out of your pocket. You had to prepare. You had to plan ahead. Devotion is taking one of those compassion kits so that you are ready before you need it. To show kindness to somebody, to help somebody in need, to talk to somebody that might not be completely safe, that might not be very pleasant, and show them God's compassion anyway. Devotion to good works is raising money for songbooks in India, songbooks in languages that we don't speak for people that we're never going to meet this side of eternity. But that is devotion to good works. It's filling coin cans for Southeastern Children's Home, for kids that some of us wouldn't want our kids to play with because they'd be a bad influence. But we're going to love those kids anyway. We're going to love those that are self-sacrificingly loving those kids who have been so hurt by this world, <coughs> trusting that God will work through that for good. That is devotion to good works. And if you were a part of our Dino Devo last summer or our progressive dinner a few weeks ago. 
If you came out for Mission One training across three Saturday mornings on the beach, or gathered in the park for the National Day of Prayer Observance, if you spent the weekend as part of our song fest back in March, then you saw for yourself that those efforts to be devoted to good works, to make it a priority, even though there's other things you could have done with the time, even though there's other things you could have done with the money, to make those a priority, then you saw. It's pretty excellent, wasn't it? There's not one of those things we did afterwards that we thought, ah, what a waste of time. It was profitable. We saw that there was value in it. That's how our lives are meant to be. God didn't create us for life to be a bottomless pit of slavery where we chase something we never achieve, where we pour ourselves out and then wonder if any of it meant anything. Our lives are meant to be like God. And God is good. But be honest. That's not always what folks see from the church. Sometimes we look like people that are just in our own little bubble. They look at the differences between different denominations. Sometimes they just sit within a single congregation. Bible studies. They look at the things churches fight over, even divide over, split over. And they hear what seems like pretty pointless discussions. Okay, that was a whole lot of information, but what's the point? They witness really silly arguments. Things that people should be able to get past, but they just can't seem to. They see folks that wake up early on Sunday morning, but other than that, they pretty much act like everyone else. But that's not the point. Being a Christian, is about living a completely changed life that allows us to experience the life of God. That's what we have to be working towards. That's what the Holy Spirit is helping us work towards. That is what that washing and that forgiveness that Jesus offers us is for. Because we are all going to mess up. We are all going to get distracted. And that's why Paul told Titus, when folks are missing the point, when we're getting distracted by stupid stuff, warn them once, maybe even warn them a second time. We all have bad days. There are going to be times where we are just convinced this is the most important thing in the world, and really, sweet summer child, it's not. It's not near as big a deal as you're making it. And we all have times like that. So warn them once. Warn them twice. But if it keeps happening, we're going to get real. Because we're not fooling around. We are not here to play church. We are here to change lives. We want to share in the life of God ourselves. We want to rescue people from painful meaningless existences to live a life that's real. Because our God wants to give the world hope. And if you've been baptized, he's made you an heir of it. And he wants the life that you share with him to be so different, so much better than what the world has on tap that others 
want to share in it with you. This is the first day of a new year. That means this can be time for change. Time for us to take those ways that God was working with us this past year and double down. Time for us to recognize those ways that we got distracted. We forgot what mattered and accept the reminder, accept the challenge, accept the warning to refocus so that we're living life the way we need to because this is a time for devotion. Not just doing things that are convenient when we feel like it, but to truly make what God wants done in this world our top priority. That means it's a time to do good. Not just when there's events, but every single day we wake up looking for the good that God is going to work in this world through us, through the ways you speak to people, through the things you do for people, through the light that you shine from him. And for some here, it might be time to get baptized. It might be time for you to experience that washing. If you believe in Jesus, why haven't you? Why keep struggling through life when the Spirit could be poured out and you could receive real help, real hope to live a life that matters? If you need that, come up and talk to me while I stand this time.